I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. To be a successful actor or writer takes a lot of hard work. Even if you've had all the schooling and training in the world, there's no guarantee that you'll work at all. It's because of that uncertainty that jobs in the entertainment business are considered extremely valuable. So when it comes to getting paid for putting your blood, sweat, and tears into a project, you want your fair share. Currently, both the actors and writers of some of our favorite TV shows and movies feel they're getting the short end of the profits. So they've gone on strike. That means the production engine of Hollywood has pretty much shut down. You'll have to wait to binge the highly anticipated season two of Name Your Favorite Show Here. But it's not just folks in Hollywood or New York who are impacted. Our city has a growing film and television industry. How are they coping with the stoppage of work? We'll talk with local industry folks later this hour. But first, it was another busy day at the state capitol for the second day of Tennessee's special session on public safety. The rules were maybe the biggest source of tension between lawmakers last night. And today, sounds like things didn't get much better. Are we going to quiet down and listen, or are we going to sit there and clap? All right, uh, troopers, let's go ahead and clear the room. All right, we're joined now by WPLN's Mariana Bacayal and Blaze Ganey. Hey, guys, how are you? Doing great. Doing well. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for being with us. Okay, Blaze, you were in the packed room when the Civil Justice Committee chairman cleared it. What was that moment like? You know, there's a lot of different emotions. I think, you know, if I think sort of shocked, and then also it's like you kind of saw this coming, just the way that the House has been conducting themselves, uh, silencing members of their own party, or of their own chamber, and also just being very strict with where guests can go when inside the um, chambers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, right before that happened, a lady was thrown out for not following Rule 4, so you kind of already got the fact that they were taking this very serious. Uh, she was holding up a sign that said, uh, one kid over all guns, and then also, you know, troopers escorted her out, and then pretty soon after, you know, you got the clapping uh, in response to a bill that would have allowed anybody who had an enhanced uh, handgun permit to carry guns onto school campuses. Mm. Um, for many reasons, they were clapping because they thought it was a bad bill. Um, after the room was cleared, though, a lighter version of that same bill ended up passing that allows teachers to pair, to carry um, weapons in, on on uh, school campuses. So uh, that passed the House committee, but tomorrow morning we'll see whether or not it passes in the Senate. Okay. You know, it sounds like it's been a pretty partisan divide over at the State House. What are Democratic lawmakers making of all this? Yeah, so Justin Jones, as we all know, was expelled during last session for leading a gun control protest on the House floor with two other Democrats in the House. Um, he says these new rules and procedures go against people's rights. It's extreme. It is something that is shameful. It is, it is a clear signal of the leadership of Speaker Cameron Sexton that this is no longer the people's house, but he's treating this like a private palace, a private country club, his own fraternity house, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and Representative Justin J. Pearson, who was expelled along with Jones last session, took particular offense to Rule 60, which has to do with amendments to bills. It doesn't allow amendments to be taken up unless they were turned in four hours ahead of the bill hearing, which could cause a problem if you know, a meeting is scheduled at 8 a.m., how are you going to get to somebody who probably isn't in their office Hmm. at that time to file an amendment? You can file it, you know, the day before, but it seems 
with session moving so fast, it'd be pretty pretty hard to do that. All right, so speaking of this expedited timeline, the Senate Judiciary Committee adjourned today, likely for the rest of the session. Is that right? Yeah. Um, hmm. You know, when they met, they had 55 bills on their agenda, but they only ended up passing three, and they are likely done for the rest of the session. And these three bills were some of the things that the governor proposed. And so it seems like they, they're they sort of saying, hey, we're only here to do what the governor asked us to and head back home. Is there any chance they'll be resurrected in the regular session next year? Next year, they could be. There's a slight chance. But some of these things are things the Senate just haven't, haven't agreed with, really. Um, ERPO bills were, was in there and some other things that more Democrats were sponsoring that would not have had a chance even if they had two months to, to debate it. Mm, okay, gotcha. All right, Mariana, I want to turn to you. You've done a lot of reporting at this about State House Speaker Cameron Sexton's call to crack down on juvenile defenders. He technically has one bill about youth sentencing, sentencing pardon me, but it sounds like it's a lot of different things in there. Yeah, House Bill 7073 covers a lot of ground, all of which would push juvenile offenders into the adult system. Essentially, if you're a 16 or 17-year-old convicted of first or second degree murder or attempted first or second degree murder, under this proposal, you could be transferred to the adult system for sentencing. Then there's blended sentencing, which this bill defines as... If you're convicted of those crimes as a juvenile, you would serve your juvenile sentence, which usually a minimum of two years, and then you'd have another sentencing in adult court. All right. So what can you tell us about Tennessee's existing juvenile sentencing laws? Well, Tennessee already has some of the strictest in the country. Up until late last year, it was possible to sentence a juvenile as young as 16 years old to life in prison. The state Supreme Court ruled that practice amounted to cruel and unusual punishment. So that mandatory minimum life sentence is now off the table. But a juvenile sentenced in adult court could still get a mandatory minimum of 25 years. So having that blended sentencing would again make the state's teens eligible for a life sentence after they serve their juvenile sentence. All right. So why propose this bill now? This seems to be a popular alternative to gun reform bills, at least for state Republicans. Sexton tried to pass something similar during the regular legislative session, and it failed. He says that juvenile crime is a a big problem, particularly in Memphis. What do the numbers say? So if you look at data compiled by the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, you'll find that crime has actually decreased year over year and decade over decade. The decline is actually more prominent in Memphis, in Memphis, excuse me, their juvenile arrest rates decreased nearly 77 percent from 2012 to 2022. Statewide, that number was around 57 percent. Now, juvenile crime where a gun was involved has increased about 26 percent. But when you look at crimes in which a gun was used against a juvenile, that's gone up 144 percent. Mm. I spoke with Kylie Graves at the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth to get context for these numbers, and this is what she had to say. People under 18 are more likely themselves to be the victim than they are to be the offender or perpetrator. But Sexton has been skeptical of TBI data. He says that the courts don't always report all of their information. All right. Now, Blaze, you're back for the penultimate day of the session tomorrow, at least 
at, right at this moment we think so. What can we expect to happen in the remaining time? You know, honestly, not a lot legislation-wise. It seems like the session is sending a clear message that when they meet, they're going to discuss the governor's uh, bills and then adjourn. So tomorrow morning I'm hearing that the Senate Education Committee is going to gather. They have about 21 bills on their calendar, and I don't think any of them have anything to do with what the governor was asking for. So they're just going to adjourn and not take up any bills. That was WPLN political reporter Blaze Ganey and afternoon host Mariana Bacayao. Thanks to you both. Get some rest, guys. It's been a long day. <laughs> we'll right. do. You can hear more from the Capitol during Morning Edition tomorrow and find all of our digital dispatches in the meantime at our live blog at WPLN.org. Now, we have got to take a short break. So when we come back, we'll learn about what's behind the writers and actors strikes and ask, are there any plot twists coming? What are your thoughts on the writers and actors strike? You can always tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back.